Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for being with us tonight on Sweet Liberty. It is Wednesday, the 14th of June, already in the year 2006. We haven't had any summer here yet. I don't know about you folks. It's been 60, going down into the 40s at night. Today it actually got up to 70. But uh, we really haven't had any spring or summer to speak of. Anyway, I'm glad you're here with us tonight. First, I'll share our spiritual message. I don't know, Alan, uh-huh. does that sound interfere with our voice? No, I don't think so. When Grandfather's chiming, okay. Our spiritual message is from the Course in Miracles, again, from my little card box here, from the text, page 353. And it says, If you knew who walks beside you on the way that you have chosen, fear would be impossible. If you knew who walks beside you on the way that you have chosen, fear would be impossible. And Alan Watt, thanks for being with us tonight. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Yeah. Uh-huh, and you've been a pretty busy guy, haven't you? Yes. Uh, <laughs> on TV tomorrow. TV? Yeah. You're getting to be a real celebrity, aren't you? Well, I'll know that if the money starts coming, I'll know I've made it. <laughs> well, you better be. You know what? Yeah. I'd be a little worried. Yeah? If the money started coming in and, uh-huh. and, uh, it, it, it make you remember when you were on George Norrie? Uh-huh. And you had mentioned that you had been invited to join the Freemasons and go all the way to the top because you yeah. already, and he said, well, and you mentioned that they approach people who have the public, you know, voice. Yeah. You know, the newspaper editors and and but you didn't mention, you know, broadcasters and then he said, You mean like me? Mm-hmm. And talking to a lot of people and you said yes and he said, Well, I nobody's approached me, maybe I'm doing something wrong, Alan. Mm-hmm. And you said, Or maybe you're doing something right, George. <laughs> Remember that? And and doesn't it make you wonder, Alan, why they're letting you talk so much? I don't know. Well, what do you think? What are your thoughts on it? Uh, whatever I'm saying is getting through to people and listeners. And so, and I do know that a lot of these stations get uh, a lot of emails from this to come on from people. Uh huh. So I guess maybe the I don't know if they just put me on for the demand or or what you know. Uh huh. I think some of these stations too uh, um, are getting a bit worried about the events happening in the world because everybody's feeling the changes. <coughs> yeah. That are coming down. Uh huh. Um, there's more people even noticing the spraying in the skies. Um, for the last four days here, I mean. For three days, I had a fire on night and day. The stove was gone. Oh, it was that cold? It was that cold. And you've been up to 90 already. Yeah, before that, we were hitting above 90. And it dropped right down to about the 40s for three days. Overcast totally. Again, the yellow rain, uh, you know, they left the yellow stuff. So this yellow element is creating the rain and the cold. And and today is clear, though. So, So people are noticing these changes... Um, and, and many things are starting to be affected by all the security now. Uh, even mail to the state, air mail, is, is going the same rate as over land because.
They're checking everything. Alan? That's going through. Okay. Yeah. So, uh... There's you know of... what? Yeah? I don't know, but you seem to be cutting off. Oh. Cutting out, but I think it's this Chinese-made phone uh-huh. of mine that it's probably ready. But if I lose you, Alan, uh-huh. it doesn't show me when my battery's low. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, my speakerphone is working okay now. I told you that, didn't I? Yeah. So if I lose you and lose our connection, will you call me back? Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. So you were talking about the yellow rain? Yeah, and these yellow bands around the puddles. The same as they had in California that was on the Channel 4 uh, newscast uh, a couple of weeks ago. So it's the same stuff. And it, it, looks, it, it looks in the, when you see it, it's almost the consistency of, of latex paint. I mean, that's what it looks like. Jeez. It's not pollen. And um, uh, it's on everything that's... I mean, you've got tarps outside over wood piles, and uh, there's big yellow uh, patches on that, too. Well, stuff. I, 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 have you talked to anybody else that's getting that stuff? Uh, not so many. Up, I mean, I'm out in the boonies here, so... I don't talk to many people. Well, I mean the people that you talk to on the telephone. Oh, I tell everybody. Uh, I know, but have have other people experienced that same thing? Um, no. Well, they're doing something different there, aren't they, Alan? I think so. Uh-huh. And, and and we talked about this last week. The probability is that it has something to do with the weather modification. Yeah. And as you had mentioned, just in case somebody's listening tonight that didn't hear us last week, you had mentioned... That you, like a, you were hypothesizing, so to speak, mm-hmm. that you you thought that the reason that you're getting such weird weather, like hundred up to 115 last summer yeah. in northern Canada, mm-hmm. uh, that you thought that maybe they were using the harp uh, uh, antennas mm-hmm. and beaming them over to the to the uh, pole mm-hmm. to melt the ice caps. Yeah. And if they're doing that, and you thought that, okay, then if that was the case, you would be where you are. You'd be right in the path. Yes, there's no doubt. They, they are. They, they admitted in the treaty they signed at the UN <coughs> that they could uh, move and direct the jet stream. So, and, and they could also bring it right down to ground level if need be. Yeah. And we're seeing that. We've been seeing that for the last three or four years now. Uh, where you will see two layers of clouds, one going in one direction and one going in the opposite. So there's a, a twirl up there, like an over an overlay. They're both passing each other in opposite directions. And this last week, uh, I saw an, a new phenomena where cirrus clouds were underneath the cumulus clouds. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which doesn't happen, you see. Yeah. Unless they're man-made. And, of course, you yeah. can tell by the polymer vapors that were man-made. Well, I was getting an article ready... Uh, to send over uh, to Darren for the website in the weather section. Uh-huh. And while I, was, uh, while I was doing that, it was an article that I had that I had already uh, prepared uh-huh. but hadn't sent over. Yeah. And, um, and there was another one uh, that just came in. I guess that's what prompted me to do it. It was an article that had appeared in the Tribune. Uh, oh, it's Pittsburgh Tribune, I think, or something like that. Uh-huh. And they were discussing Time Magazine, an article from March 6th. Time Magazine, evidently a cover story, and the title of it was Be Very Worried. Be Worried, Be Very Worried. Uh-huh. 
and it was all about global warming. Mm-hmm. Well, then the article discussed a Time magazine uh, article from 1974, June 24th, and the title of it was, Are We Heading Into a New Ice Age? Uh-huh. And I went and I did a research and I found that June 24th article, 1974. Now, they were blaming droughts and floods and all the crazy weather on the fact that the temperature for the past three years had been lower than normal, and if the temperature drops even one degree, it could mean that we were heading for a new ice age. Okay? Now, their article in March of 2006, global warming, all the crazy weather is being... uh, is being blamed on global warming. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like you said, people lose their memories. Yeah. Or how many of us read that 1974 article, mm-hmm. but, but when you see the two of them together, yeah. it's the same damn story, except one of them is global warming and one of them is taking us into an ice age. And there was, an, uh, there was a statement in that uh, the ice age uh, story. And it was the last statement and a quote by a guy, and he said that if this weather continues, this cold weather continues, that how did he say it, that the planet it w- would would not be sustainable for many people. Yeah. And use, that's the word sustainable. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, that was part of their intro yeah. into sustainable development. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I know that there was one fellow who put a book out in the 70s, and he was really a PR man for the UN, and he, his book was called The Coming Ice Age. Uh-huh. And the same guy, I think 15 years later, when they decided to make it warm instead, uh-huh. uh, was putting a book out about the coming you know, warming period. So they, they go back and forth like this. Yes. It was all running. Be but, af- be, but, uh, be afraid, be very afraid, mm-hmm. or be worried, be very worried. Yeah, buy more, stock up on, on the bullies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you're really the pullovers and stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or, or else buy a lot of suntan lotion. <laughs> and somebody uh, informed me recently that a study, I don't know, some group did or something, mm-hmm. showed that 70%, I think I said this last week also, mm-hmm. that 70% of the uh, tanning blockers, yeah. Have carcinogenic uh, chemicals in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm not surprised. So, you know what it comes down to, Alan? Mm-hmm. Don't trust anything that isn't natural. Yeah, and, and use common sense. Yes, use common sense, but it's like that mosquito uh, dope. Mm-hmm. Well, Chuck used to slather himself with it. Uh-huh. And I said, I don't know. I just don't like putting stuff like that on my skin. Mm-hmm. Because your skin absorbs everything you put on it. Yeah. I mean, act right into your system fast. Mm-hmm. And by gosh, it was a couple, three years ago that it came out that the DEET, I think it's DEET mm-hmm. in the mosquito, uh, uh, the popular mosquito stuff that you slaver on you yeah. is very dangerous. Yes, yeah, you were toxic. Yeah, neurotoxic. Yeah, and also, um, I mean, I, I was using a, 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 that quite often a, a few years ago <coughs> when I was doing different things outside and fixing trucks and things. And whenever you had it on your hands, 
and went out and touched the steering wheel, you'd start melting the plastic on the steering wheel. Oh, geez, Alan. Or hand tools, electric drills. You'd, you'd leave your fingerprints on the, on the drill, etched into them, because the stuff literally ate into plastic. Did you quit using it then? Uh, oh, yeah, once in a blue moon, if it's really thick, not <laughs> you it gets thick. Uh, you know, you have no option. I think they don't like garlic, Alan. I don't know, you know. No, I think the mosquitoes don't like garlic. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we can find things. For example, take some olive oil, which is very good for you, mm-hmm. and put some garlic in it. Yeah. And use that. Uh-huh, yeah. Well, I know there's different potions. People are trying them out, uh, different herbal potions. And uh, I do have a bottle here from last year I've still got to try. And, um, yeah, but I'd like to find something that really was effective. Well, it wouldn't hurt to try garlic and olive oil, would it? <laughs> no. Because both garlic and olive oil are good for you. Mm-hmm. So if you're a skin absorber. You're a pretty, pretty lonely guy, my friend. There's nobody around me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I give the girls garlic. Yeah. The dogs, they get garlic every day in their food. Uh-huh. And, um, I'm told that it will keep the, even the vet said that it would keep the mosquitoes away from them. Really? Uh-huh. uh-huh. They don't like the taste of the blood anyway. Uh-huh. So if they don't like the taste of the blood, they must be able to smell it, That they, I mean, before they actually get to the blood. Yeah. Smell it on the system. That's right. So give that a try, hon, mm-hmm. after you use up your herbal remedy. Yeah. Uh-huh. We don't have a lot of mosquitoes up here. We're 1,800 feet. Mm-hmm. And when you have a little brisk breezes... All the time? You, yeah. you you don't have mosquitoes? That's handy, yeah. It's very handy. Mm-hmm. It's one of the blessings of mm-hmm. being where I'm at. Yeah. So tell us what you've been doing. You've made a new... Have you got your new video done? I, I tell you, that I sent it off a week ago, Express Post. Um, uh, Express and Airmail. And for some reason, they put it under Pure Later Courier, the Canadian version of the UPS. Um, and it still hasn't got there. Uh. And on it, I had uh, some still photographs for one of the TV shows that are coming up. Alan. Yeah. However, so I had to do, transfer them onto this old computer here, this old 98 thing and uh, was taught through how they do it and transfer the images to Jason and then Jason set them off to the station. Okay, what's, uh, what, what station are you going to be on? Uh, the next one is, uh, is, is tomorrow night. It's called Out There at 11 p.m. Out There, where's that at? Uh, it's from the States, but it's affiliated with uh, stations in Britain, television stations there okay. in Europe as well. I mean, is it on a regular channel? I'm I'm not really sure, but it's on the website. Though, how they how to get to it? Okay, on your uh, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Yeah. Okay. You got a big audience, though. Out there, huh? Yep. <laughs> yeah, we out there. <laughs> you know, we were talking one evening, and whatever the conversation was about, I really got it. Mm-hmm. Cutting through the matrix. Because yeah. basically that's what you are doing, isn't it, Alan? It is. It's, it's pointing out what really is going on above them that gets separate from them or their reality and showing them how it's giving you the reality and then altering the reality as they move to the next step. Mm-hmm. And it truly is like that because the sciences are so far advanced 
in these secret laboratories and uh, military complexes that to us it really is science fiction. Uh, when last week on on that um, <coughs> on the, uh, one of the, the Discovery Channel when he talked about the nanotechnology that, that literally they could spray billions of these in the air, these tiny robots, and you'll breathe them in and uh, they can get in your eyes and they're so tiny you won't even notice them. And they're, they're tiny transmitters, but nanorobots can also link up inside your body and create a, a whole electric circuit. Did they say what the purpose of these nanorobots were for? <clears throat> well, what they said, they were transmitters. But uh, there's, there's no need to... What are they to, transmitting, though? Well, I, that's just it. I don't think it's just to transmit. You wouldn't need billions of them to transmit. So whatever they give us is a cover story for something else. But, I mean, they actually said that they can get in your eyes and... Yeah, and you won't notice because they're about the size of a virus. Don't, don't you think they did that to scare people? Uh, it's possible. It's possible. And, and whatever they declare to the public is obsolete, really. Whatever we're, we're given at the bottom level is always obsolete. They're way beyond that. And there's even a, another type of technology. It's um, hyper-nano or something, which is uh, it's, it's, it's even smaller than a virus. It's smaller about half the size again. And the virus, um, uh, I heard one of the, I can't remember her name, uh, one of the doctors that got off the, out of the medical circuit, but anyway, she was talking about AIDS, and she said to give you an example of the difference, because she was saying that the rubber gloves Uh that the surgeons wear have these microscopic little holes in them. She said, if you... If you uh, compare uh, uh, the size of a of a uh, bacteria mm-hmm. with a virus, uh-huh. she said, "Oh, I think she said take take a football and put it on a football field." Yeah. And the football field would be the bacteria, and the yeah. football would be the virus. Yeah. Am I overstating that? It's pretty well like that. Okay. Uh, a virus is, I think, 0. 0.05 microns. So it's like a cold virus. So that's really, really tiny. That's how it can pass through the, the, t- the tissue walls. So, yeah, they're, they're so far ahead in technologies that it's... it's it's mind-boggling, and that's just what they've allowed us to know. And this isn't stuff that they're just working on. Uh, when they, they declared they could spray billions of these in the air, that means they can churn them out now. Now, uh, what kind of equipment are they using to even construct these things? They're so tiny. That's mind-boggling, too. Yes. Our virus is a natural... Uh I mean, not the ones today, but have viruses ever been a natural part of this earth? I or do you tend think? to think not, tend to think not, because when you study these uh, viruses, they're, they're almost like tiny little um, spaceships in a way. They're, 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 they're not round like, or roundish like a bacterium. And they're crystalline in nature, aren't they? Yeah, they're crystalline, and, and they can they can come along like a little hexagon or whatever, 
uh, float along through the bloodstream and then when they want to invade a cell, a body cell, they put out little legs just like a landing pod. Oh, jeez. And if they land on it, then a little proboscis comes out at the bottom like a trapdoor. <laughs> oh, Alan, is this every virus? Uh, pretty well, yeah. And then, then it, it drills in through the membrane and it empties, it empties its, its contents right into the cell. And that way it's hidden, and the contents are hidden inside your body cell. And the body doesn't recognize That's it as right. a foreign invader. Yeah. So when you really look at it, 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 it's, um, it, it does look like it's been something that's been created here. Yep. Out of nature. Not up you know, it almost as though they've been given programmed to do uh, specific functions, too. Oh, they have. It's yeah. almost like they can think. Well, you know something? Uh, the weirdest thing was on, on the CB, our CBC here, the television station, gives you these oddball shows one time, once in a while. And they really tell you something, but they don't dwell on it, so it goes out of people's memories. Uh huh. But about four or five years ago, there was a, a program on. It was called um, Phagocytes. Called what? Phagocytes. Well, do you spell that? Uh, it's, it's a P H phageo A G. Um, phageo. Uh huh. P H like A G E O. Yeah. Okay. And. Phageocytes, like C I T E S. Uh-huh. Okay, that's a kind of a organism. Yeah, well, well these things uh, were, were in, in your body when you, uh, different things like clots are breaking down or your body's repairing something. The phagocytes you have naturally move in and they, they eat basically um, all the refuses there, the white cells, the damaged body cells. They'll, they'll eat it up for disposal, the garbage disposal. And this program showed you uh, a history which is totally unknown to the West. And in the West, we came out with uh, with Fleming and his penicillin and all, all that silly story they gave us. And uh, at the end of World War II, they got into production penicillin, and there was nothing else. And they kept telling us for right up to the present day, oh my God, the the, the vaccines are becoming resistant. We, we're, we're, we don't have new types of penicillins. We just don't know what to do. And uh, out comes this program on the CBC, and it started with this little guy from Canada, uh, an unknown guy in World War I, uh, who went off to Russia. And he set up uh, facilities to help the Red Army, and the, the, the factories are still there that he built. So he, he wasn't experimenting, he went over with the knowledge to put this plant up and what they did they got all they even showed you this massive huge wall of it it was like a factory wall with all pigeon holes in it and it was a cooler it was all kept cool like a morgue and in there they had human flesh with all kinds of diseases from uh, the, the Russian revolution the Soviet the Bolshevik revolution and uh, they had never used penicillins in Russia right up to a few years ago they didn't need them because they could literally create viruses and alter viruses to attack any bacterium. Well, then what about the virus? Once the, the virus... virus was programmed so that once its target was destroyed, it literally self-destructed. Yeah. Oh. Perfect, they could program, program it. Oh, my. And it was in Georgia. That was their main facility. And, it, and uh, this guy from Alberta was uh, one of these hotshot buyers for big companies. And so he fronted for them and over there made all the deals and bought the rights. And the, the, the program ended that, and it said that a company from New York had bought this 
technology, and this may be available to the public soon, and that's the last we heard of it. But they showed you through the plans, they talked to the doctors, that you saw doctors, if you went in with a, a child with pneumonia in the doctor's office, and after he found out what, what kind of bacteria it was, <coughs> the pneumococcus and so on, he would bring a, a little spray, just like the kind of little puffers, little, little uh, um, rubber puffer types on the bottom, a bulb, and he'd, he'd tell the child to, to breathe out, and he'd, he'd squirt a few, you know, in the breath that the child was inhaling, and that was it. Oh, wow. Go home, and those, those viruses would take off in the body, attack <coughs> our target, clear it up, and then they would self-destruct. That was in the Soviet Union? That was in the Soviet Union, yeah. They had never... Why did never they have such good medical care there, Alan? Pardon? Why in the Soviet Union uh-huh. did the slaves there <coughs> have such good medical... Well, they wanted to keep their slaves healthy, I suppose. They had to. I mean, the whole thing was to to give everything the appearance that they were doing well. But, but primarily that guy had gone over with this knowledge. I mean, he wasn't going over to try and help them. He went over with the knowledge... And this is about 1917. And, um... Well, remember Dr. Richard Day? Uh-huh. That talk he gave? Yeah. He said back in 1968 that there is a cure for every known disease yeah, in this I believe world. that, yeah. Uh-huh. In the Rockefeller... Yes. ...you know, files. There was a half page, or a one page, in one of the, the British papers, or maybe in the Daily Mail, a few years ago, before... Princess Diana was called dying and she died uh, and uh, it was a reporter who was going with her as she said it to the party as you see I'm sorry I interrupted you it just you just whizzed that thing by us yeah this, this reporter accompanied Diana as she went from party to party that's kind of what they do at that level uh-huh. uh, sort of aristocrats uh, parties young ones and he did notice that they were so they were completely promiscuous, and he, he just mentioned it. He said, "He said I asked him, Auntie, he said, there's, a, there's a group of them there. He said, I asked him, aren't you afraid of you know catching a disease?" And he said they all stood them and looked at them like you know stunned zombies. And and then he went on to another topic. In other words, he was stunned that, that they were stunned, but he didn't pursue it. And what I think is that the elite you see have the real inoculations against all of this real stuff, all this stuff. Or maybe not inoculations, mm-hmm. but to cure anything they get. I think they have the real inoculations. You can give real inoculations. Yeah. yeah. Because they looked like, like he was crazy. You know, it's just like, who is this guy? <laughs> and meanwhile, AIDS is rampant and syphilis may not come back and gonorrhea and non-specific urethritis and a whole bunch of other things. Uh, but these people were not in the least concerned about it. You know what that reminds me of? Mm-hmm. When you say inoculations, uh-huh. who was the guy that, invent- that allegedly in England invented the inoculation against smallpox? Oh. Okay, well, we don't need to remember his name. Mm-hmm. He, was consi- he was called a doctor. He wasn't a doctor at all. Uh-huh. Uh, he had bought his degree, mm-hmm. paid for, you know, something that said he was a doctor. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the thing that I read that blew me away is that, and we've been told this, he used the serum from cowpox. That's right. And the cowpox 
is a totally different molecular structure than smallpox. And to put that into people is not inoculating people against smallpox. Yeah. It's probably giving them the cowpox. Well, I, I do know. There's no doubt when you trace the histories of inoculations, especially from the British records, you'll notice that in the 1800s they started making a lot of these things uh, compulsory. Yes, and that's when they had all the plagues. They did, and, and generally the deaths were exactly the same. In every, in every country that they made it mandatory, yeah. there were the outbreaks. We're going to take a break here, and we'll be back right after this. Folks, you're listening to Sweet Liberty. And with Jackie Patru, myself, your hostess, and Alan Watt. I guess we would say co-host. Yes, Alan? <laughs> and when I thought... Okay, we're back. Alan? Yes, sir. Okay. We were uh, on a roll there, and maybe we've... Oh, the yeah, on but maybe we've completed that or I I I I'm interested in the new uh the new video that you've made. Oh yeah. What what is it about? Uh it's again about uh, ancient um techniques of managing a whole whole peoples, different peoples mainly through the religions. Mm-hmm. Um, how they always used uh, uh, had lay groups involved under different names anything they brought that back again in the industrial era uh, for Freemasonry for the middle class uh, and eventually came into the working class later on but uh, I, I want to show you how the whole system is a, a real system you're living it didn't just evolve haphazardly right. and, and that's the impression you know they love to give about even Britain uh, even the, the comedy shows always show you these kind of blustering bureaucrats that are absent-minded and all this kind of thing. Right, harmless. Yeah. Idiots. Yeah, uh, yeah, terribly absent-minded people. But not mean-minded and evil. Yeah. And, and yet, when you study the old books on on British diplomacy, and they had schools of British diplomacy in London, and they ran the, the empire as a business. They were like the head of the business uh, for the government and for really for the establishment and uh, these guys did their far-reaching plans they, they, they set, had their board meetings to sit and discuss the fate of Africa for the next hundred years and and countries like that and and uh, all the changes that would come in, uh, throughout the rest of the world so these diplomats were sent out well-trained uh, well-educated and, and, and often they were the third or fourth generation in the family doing the same thing and they would play mental chess with, with people across the planet, uh, all the dignitaries they came in contact with. And it was always to get something from them or to manipulate them into a particular part of a world agenda and so on. And um, it's one thing to see the Cecil Rhodes, who was definitely set up um, to expand the British Empire and to take over the, the wealth of the world, the natural resources, the gold, the silver, the diamonds of Africa, uh, and they pretended, of course, that he was separate from the British government. But no, he definitely had the blessings of the British government, the elite anyway. And he even caused the, the, the Boer War. He brought it on. 
you know, they had the, the genes in Road Raid where his boys went into South Africa and, and it's when they retaliated, eventually Britain sent troops over. So that was our complete setup. That's how they set up things in advance yes. and give themselves the excuse to go in and take things over. And then when the country, even for 50 years or 60 or 70, has served them very, very well and have looted it, uh, then, then the same elite financed the ANC, the African National Congress, to take over Africa. And uh, when Rhodesia was going under and all those immigrants were, were being killed, uh, and, then, and then eventually South Africa, Britain was completely quiet on the matter. So they use peoples all the time. Yes. And then they believe you to, to die without a murmur from uh, the British uh, Parliament and uh, gave no aid to anybody. You know, uh, yeah. when I um, when I read about South Africa, mm-hmm. I, maybe it, it was a James Michener book, mm-hmm. but and it, was it called The Covenant? Uh, no. Maybe, I don't know, but uh, when you... You think about it, those English, British people mm-hmm. that went over and settled South Africa, yeah. they took the land. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I get all these emails, Alan, mm-hmm. about, oh, the poor people over there in South Africa mm-hmm. and how the blacks or the natives are, you know, taking all their land and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I thought, it isn't their land. What the heck were they doing over there in the first place? Yeah, yeah. What the heck? They enslaved those people over there. Yes, it is, yeah. They took them as slaves. It, well, they made them work down the mines <coughs> and uh, and made them pay, uh, gave them money, made them pay taxes and and all the rest. And then there was apartheid. Uh-huh. You know, if you had one sixteenth of uh, African blood in you, then you weren't a white person. Yeah and you weren't part of the society. Mm-hmm. I can remember when I was reading about that, and I'll tell you what, uh, at that time I was very naive about a lot of things. But what I wondered is, you know, these Boers that went over there, mm-hmm. they were so religious, Alan, yeah. and they took slaves. Mm-hmm. And the Old Testament religion. Yeah. Well, I know it, but I didn't realize it at the time, see? But I thought... How could these people mm-hmm. be enslaving other human beings mm-hmm. and be so religious? Yeah. Yeah. Until I really got back into the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, as we go and grow and learn, I understand it now, but it's, it, it's like, you know, the, the Bible Belt in the Old South, mm-hmm. all the slaves that they owned yeah. and beat mm-hmm. and mated with. Yeah. And bastardized children. Most of them, you know, were sold out of New York Harbor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But they were Bible-thumping Christians. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. But they were Old Testament Christians. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure, I mean, you know, it's been used and abused. Like, again, the worst in in human nature is encouraged at times when it suits the purpose of those above. But what I'm saying even about Africa... And this goes back all the way to, to, to John Dee and Francis Bacon. Now, Francis Bacon wrote about the necessity of governments once in a while to eliminate their surplus population and uh, to be beneficial to the country. 
So the country, that, uh, like, like England at the time, um, would send off these people to different countries uh, to open up those countries for them. Uh, now, if they didn't have countries to open up, they would have found other ways of bringing the population down. Uh, so they would, they would encourage all that immigration. But what I'm saying is, years down the road, they probably knew when they sent in uh, the British to South Africa, they probably knew how, how long it would take yes. before they could plunder everything out of it yes. and set up a system they could leave, which would appear to be run by the black people. Yeah. But in reality, it's a little duplicate mini-democracy. And, and of course, then when you go into the Royal Institute of International Affairs and the CFR, that's their policy, as Cecil Rhodes put it down and Lord Milner, their policy was to go into countries and never leave them until they were perfectly sure that, that they had set up the same system of parliament, the same system of voting, the same hierarchy drawn from the same classes that would run that country, and they'd be in cahoots with the, the same aristocracy of England. So that's still in effect today. We see that happening in Iraq right now. And that's going to be a long, long drawn-out affair. And they will not pull out of there till they're absolutely certain that one or two generations have passed, and now that's the new normal, that new system over there. You know, okay, I don't want to get off the track here, so I want to, I'm going to make a note here to go back to Iraq, mm -hmm. uh, the slaughter that's going on over there. Yeah. But uh, your new video uh -huh. for our listeners. Now, you've got three videos at your website, uh, cuttingthroughthematrix.com, mm -hmm. and they're all free, yeah. and people can download them. This one, you said that you made, hopefully to help, mm -hmm. to uh, fund, to finance the website. Yeah. And your webmaster, who is devoted full-time to it. Mm -hmm. So, tell us about, okay, how long is it? I mean... You know, you've given us a little bit of a synopsis yeah. One of it. One the, the final uh, things you put in, there's, there's different cuts that you put in. Um, it'll be at least at least two hours long. Two hours. Uh, and this is on D DV DVD or? Yeah, DVD. Okay, and what is the cost on it? Uh, I haven't figured it out yet. Well, you better. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, I have to figure it out because uh, with everything... See, the mailing has to go airmail now to try and hopefully get there faster than overland because the, 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 the mail is a mess right now. What does it cost to mail a, a DVD, a disc? Uh, I expressed that last one to Jason, just the DVD, and I paid uh, 8 bucks. And you know how light a DVD is? Oh, yeah, it's a, like a half an ounce. Yeah, so that was expressed, but it still hasn't got it yet, and that's over a week ago because they're holding up everything in the U.S. border and, and going through everything. Well, why don't you try sending it uh, ground and see if... Actually, I phoned up the post office today and, and the woman told me the head post office for Canada. There's no difference right now. Well, Alan, I told you that. Yeah. The first time I sent that box to you. Yeah, but I wanted to make sure that deal okay. didn't get lost. Yeah, right. Well, I sent it airmail uh -huh. and... Uh, and then the next one I sent was ground, uh -huh. and they both got there at the same time. Uh-huh, yeah. So... Port lock, you know. Yeah, but yes, it is. Because what they're doing is they're holding up some batches of mail and going through it all, and another one's go through. It just depends which one they hold up. 
But there's some people uh, have waited three weeks uh, to get something. Uh, what is it? Did you find out what ground would cost? Uh, well, ground, uh, just regular. I can mail one out for one dollar five cents. Oh, you're kidding me! Overland. Uh -huh. Alan, you ought to try it. Yeah, well, I would have, but I uh, thought, so, well, you know. You wanted to get that there, there fast. And hand-delivered, because they could, you know, yeah. sign for it and all that. Sign for it, yeah, well, so much for that. But uh, coming into Canada, I get the meal quickly, but it's, it's going through the U.S. See, they think we're all secret Muslims up here. Oh, God. Yeah. No, they don't. Yeah, they do. No, they don't. They're yeah. just they're just making it difficult. I heard that, I heard that Mr. Bush is getting a special team to take DNA tests of every Canadian to see if he's really a secret Muslim. <laughs> yeah? So, so I've got this old rug on the floor here. I'm going to throw it out in case you think it's a prayer mat. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I got prayer mats all over my house then. Oh, <laughs> well, you've had it then. <coughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just getting so damn silly, really. It's so silly. It uh, isn't silly. Yeah, and it's nothing to do with... What they, see, what they're going for now is the complete rush for the whole world system. Yeah. And it's nothing to do. They're using terrorism as an excuse. And you know, haste makes waste, Alan. Oh, yeah. They are, you know, they used to go, what do they call it, one, uh, two steps forward, one step back. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They're going leaps and bounds today. I know. They're laying the cards open on all the tables. Mm -hmm. And maybe they're going to make a mistake. Yeah, I, I mean, this pretense of it, that, that, that what worries me is that, see, they want everybody on the planet ID. That's, the, that's in the global agenda. They want, yes. And the, the amalgamation ha has happened already. It's just that they're keeping the borders there temporarily um, for the U.S. Uh, Europe's amalgamated. Uh, the Pacific Rim. Can people travel all over Europe without uh, a, quote, pass? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can go under the the, the channel. The, the, you know, the the, the the tunnel under the channel. They call the channel. Yeah. And you can go right through and drive all the way to Russia. Oh my! But I, I do believe I was listening to a program. It was a documentary, and and the European cars <coughs> um, have these little monitor uh, modules in them, and they're, they're tracked by satellite. Sure. So they don't even need to any border. They know who's passing where. They know where you are, and yes. And, and that's coming into the states, apparently, on the super highway that's coming up from Mexico. The NAFTA highway. Yeah, uh, it's, it's built for the same thing, and uh, you will be taxed by the mile um, automatically. Uh, that's or that is on the cards that's been said, it's spoken about, and published. So this totalitarian world they're bringing in is really what they're after here. They're using this, this nonsense about a, a caveman to, to do Yeah, it. we're biding time, you know. Yeah. My car is 16 years old. Yeah. I have a little Chevy uh, Beretta. Uh-huh. And I know it's got, I mean, it's uh, computer command, but it doesn't have the, uh, whatever you call it, they... Electronic, yes. yeah. Yes, however, um, I was, uh, I had a friend in Illinois who worked for the railroad. Uh-huh. And, oh, my goodness, this was 15 years ago. And he said that every single railroad car had those uh, on them mm -hmm. so that the satellite... They, they, in other words, what do they call it? There's a word for it, but... Oh, it's a satellite. Um, but anyway, anything, yeah. yeah, there's 
letters they use that mean something. But Global positioning. Yeah. Global positioning. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Well, he, he, he was telling me about it, and I was in awe. I said, you mean they've got them on yeah. every single railroad car? He said, yeah, because, you know, every car has to be accounted for. Yeah. And before, we had to do it on paper. Something may steal the car. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, they drop one off and some some other, some other train is supposed to pick it up and the wrong one picks it up and takes it somewhere. Yeah. All they had to do is push a couple of buttons on the computer, yeah. say, oh, my God, mm-hmm. it's in North Dakota. Yeah. It's supposed to be in South Carolina. Uh-huh. Go get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Walmart uh, was mentioned on the, the Canadian National News here last week and um, it was only a, a five minute blurb uh, but it was about Walmart and now has everything ID'd with mm. this little disc and the disc is like a little perspex uh, see through disc about the size of a quarter and the outside of the disc has, has, is looped with a uh, copper coil so you see the copper color around it that's the antenna and the tiny little uh, chip was inside it, and it said that Walmart had demanded that their suppliers, you use the blackmail to get you in as a supplier. That's right, because they're the great. Yes, because they are the biggest buyer. Yes, right. I think they started with Gillette Blue Blades or something. Uh-huh. But, Alan, their chips, uh-huh. they might say that they're a disc with an antenna. Yeah, I know. Their chips. Yeah. What, what got me was when they showed me the, 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 this. <clears throat> on the TV, and then they said that they're forcing all the companies to start using it. And of course, they, they offset that by saying, "Well, it'll be better for the companies too, because then they can keep track of this, the stack of their, uh, or track of their stock." And uh, but I thought, yeah, yes. that's, that's the shield because you don't need anything nearly that big. It's for inventory. Yes. Well, uh, there's a <coughs> website, and I can't remember what it is, <coughs> but the, this woman, uh, in fact, when I was in St. Louis at, uh, in December of 2002 mm-hmm. and Chuck was doing the radio broadcast uh-huh. he had her on the air with him yeah. now interestingly though I contacted her you know after I got home mm-hmm. to bring her back on and I never heard back from her Oh yeah. but she was saying that they have these chips mm-hmm. are uh, like a little you know the glitter that you can get to put around it. Yeah. She said it's as small uh-huh. and tiny and yeah. thin as that. Mm-hmm. They're woven into underwear. Yes. Yeah. They're in everything. Mm-hmm. They've even put them in the rubber soles of the shoes. Yeah, okay. In the process of making the rubber sole, they've actually put, inserted it in the middle of it. Well, at the grocery stores. Mm-hmm. They've got... Uh, it's even up in Elmira, uh-huh. which is like 37,000 people, mm-hmm. my closest, quote, big city where I do grocery shopping. Mm-hmm. I never even noticed it before till I heard about these checkout lines where they don't need a checkout person. That's right. You just walk through. Well, that's and, what they sit on this and, and that baby, that thing just records everything you've got and tells you what you owe. Yeah. I found, I saw it at the grocery store in Elmira. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a yeah. checkerless, uh-huh. checkouterless line. Yeah. <laughs> that's right, and that's what Walmart's yeah. putting up. And you know, I'm glad I haven't bought any new clothes in a long, long time, Alan. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm wearing 
clothes that I've had for years. Mm-hmm. And when you buy good stuff, you know, real stuff like cotton, it lasts. Sure. I, the, the problem is when you get the rubber tires for the car. Oh, hell. Oh, man. Oh, I hadn't even thought of that. They are putting them in the wall. Oh, the no. Yeah. So I don't have a global positioning mm-hmm. in my car, but I have it on my tires. Uh-huh. You're probably right. Yeah, they are. They, that was a message, not the same show, but another one I saw. Well, I would be very boring to them. Uh, well, it's not so much of being boring. It's that in a totalitarian system... They have to know what every one of us are doing. Everyone must be predictable. That's yes. Yeah. Uh, and this is... Uh, how would you say clicked another thought in my mind? Mm-hmm. Total quality management? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, well, I, re- I, I had... Uh, Anita Hogan, mm-hmm. a long time ago. That was when I, in 98, when I was on at 6 p.m., mm-hmm. and she was talking about total quality management, mm-hmm. and she explained it, Alan, mm-hmm. the way it really is. She said what they intend to do is to absolutely keep track. Mm-hmm. of, uh, Like we're talking right now. Yeah. Everywhere we go, mm-hmm. the money we spend, what we spend it on, et cetera, et cetera, because total quality management, the end uh, end, um, purpose for them Mm -hmm. is energy in versus energy out. And when you are uh, are no longer a producer, in other words, how much are you producing versus how much you're eating, the calories you're taking in? That's right. And when you become a useless eater, you are out. And that's the definition of the, U- the United Nations of a good citizen is a good producer-consumer. Yes. So, yeah, when you start just consuming, what does that make you? Yep, you're a useless eater. Mm-hmm. So this is where they're going. It's for total efficiency, and they're, they're just wanting the herd to be updated. <coughs> we're the herd. And uh, that's as cold-blooded as that. Uh, they're the farmers, we're the herd. They're the good shepherds, they call themselves. But we are definitely the herd. You know, one thing I do do, do do, do, do yeah. yeah, I do do, is uh, because, you know, when Chuck passed, mm-hmm. before he did, I had no checking account. My car was in his name. Mm-hmm. I was a non-entity. Yeah. And I... I, I, I the day that I went and opened a bank account, I cried on the way home mm-hmm. because I knew I was, you know, becoming... Uh, and, you know, like you say, what we have to do is get out of the system. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, there are certain things yeah. that you're just not going to be able to do without being part of the system. Yeah. But what I do do... <laughs> is I pay my bills, you know, the electric bill and the gas bill and the phone bill and the taxes. Mm-hmm. I pay them by check. Yeah. Other than that, I go to the... I take cash. Mm-hmm. And everything else I do, as often as I can, I do it by cash. Yeah. Because I... And not that I'm doing anything wrong, Alan. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't want to broadcast to those... Bastards. I know, I know. You, you see that that uh, DARPA, <coughs> you know the DARPA. Yes. Uh, DARPA. I think it's in their their statement. Well, uh, what is DARPA again? Do you remember? Oh, it's 
something to do with total, well, what they call it total information management. That's okay. where the DARPA comes in. Okay. But, uh, yeah, they, they, they're all about total information network. And, and you know, people should re re realize they mean total. It's about all information. Oh, everything. It's letters, it's writing, it's internet, it's talking on the phone. Everything total is total. And that's why these voice over internet companies now uh, are, are pushing up here with all these great deals because they want all communications going through the internet system. It's easier for them to monitor everything then rather than go through separate systems. It's for their efficiency, not for our, our good that this is happening. Well, yeah. you know what I say? Mm -hmm. I don't say it. I'm repeating it. The best laid plans of mice and men yeah. often go astray. Well, what we can do is breed carrier pigeons. <laughs> there you go, Alan. <laughs> because, because those guys can still fly a long distance. Uh, you, know? you know what they'll do? Yeah. They'll chip all the carrier, all the pigeons. They might. Well, make sure you don't feed them the, the modified Exactly. Pizza. Yeah. Jeez. Because yeah. <laughs> that's where it's coming to. Well, this isn't very... Uh, this isn't... Uh, this conversation tonight is quite... Uh, whatever. Yeah. But it is the way it is, uh -huh. and um, you know, to live in fear, to live in uh, how do you call it, cowering? There's no life at all. Uh, you know exactly. So you know what? To hell with them. Mm -hmm. We'll do the best we can do. Yeah. And let them play their game. Mm -hmm. And their game has never been successful, has it, Alan? To crush the human will uh, takes an awful lot of cunning and planning. And they certainly think they've, they've, they've got enough plans up their sleeves, but uh, I, I think you underestimate you. And what is it, the the something, the ghost in the machine? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They've never been able to figure out... That elusive part that, 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 that tries to preserve itself yes. and continue. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The individualism within, yeah. It's Thank the creative you. spark. You see, they want to, to kill that creative spark. Yeah. And... Uh, I think they'll lose because there's a will here that's beyond their control. Yes. Yeah. And they've never been able to do it. Alan, thank you. Yeah. This has been delightful tonight. <laughs> and we never talk much anymore because you're so busy. I know. So it's nice to talk with you. Folks, we'll be back Wednesday night, during weeks, Monday and Tuesday. And do tune in because you covered information that is important for you to know. <laughs>